hit on something that I think is the critical, as the critical answer to the question you asked me earlier, how do you create super fan? And you and I know that the number one thing to do early in the conversation with a prospect is understand their needs at depth, right? You have to qualify them as, are they worth spending time on? And if they have need, then it's worth exploring. And when yep. you explore those needs in an effective way, then really what you have are what you compare yourself to later. So if I go back and say, hey, when we, you needed this, this, and this, and I think we've done that. Have we hit those marks for you? Then you are helping them recognize that you have produced and performed at the level they needed to you when you first started with them, right? But I am the world's biggest super fan. You're like a super fan. Welcome to the Business Superfans Podcast. We will discuss how establishing business superfans from customers, employees, and business partners can elevate your success exponentially. Learn why these advocates are a key factor to achieving excellence in the world of commerce. We discuss the invaluable insights of business owners who have successfully implemented the strategies in the book to build their own team of devoted superfans. Gain insightful knowledge from the experts who create applications to help you create passionate superfans. This is the Business Superfans Podcast with your host, Freddie D. Have you encountered language barriers with non-English speaking clients? Are language communication challenges hindering your business opportunities? For top-notch language services, choose A Foreign Language Service. They facilitate communications in over 400 languages, enhancing your offerings and driving success. As Arizona's premier language provider for over 30 years, they offer elite interpreting and translation services, including American Sign Language nationwide. With a focus on excellence, they provide 24-7 telephonic and video interpreting with a live interpreter in under 60 seconds. Request telephonic, video, or in-person interpreting. They also offer translation for documents, courseware, software, and websites, as well as audio transcription and voiceovers. Trust in their expertise for effective language communication solutions for your business needs. Get in touch today at 844-813-4242 or explore their services at 400-400-languages.com. With 20 years of experience in corporate sales and over 23 years in private practice consulting, teaching, and primarily coaching, Michael Goodman has encountered a wide range of sales challenges. Having walked in the shoes of a salesperson himself, he has gained comprehensive insights into the array of problems that could possibly occur in sales. Based on that experience, he crafted a curriculum for the Solomon Sales System, a comprehensive work that has been continually utilized by various companies for over 20 years. Michael has also created AZ Sales Pro, a dynamic community for education, motivation, and all things sales in Arizona. While skilled in leadership, communication, sales, profitability, and relationship, the work Mike does best is helping his clients find and free their identity and become world-class at their profession. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you for having me, Freddie D. Seems weird to be calling you Freddie because every time I communicate with you, it's always Frederick. So, Freddie just seems so strange, you know, not, not formal, not. Well, that's, this is the fun guy. This is the, 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 the Frederick is the business guy. The Freddie D guy is the podcast host, the guy that makes things happen. He's the fun guy that you have a beer or two with I love a glass it. of wine, et cetera. So that's it. So that's, that's the fun dude. So Michael, how'd you get started in sales? 
about that question, I have a great story. And I hope you find it as great as I do. When I was a kid, people, I could walk into a waiting room with a bunch of people sitting around in chairs and whatnot. And I could go one by one talking to each of them until my mom glowered at me and pulled me back. So we don't talk to strangers. And I think what she was doing was watching the other people in the room, saying if I was annoying them or not. And then when I did, she pulled me back. And so this guy who knew me, knew what I was like, and knew that I didn't have any trouble talking to people and wasn't that shy, thought I could be a sales guy. But he was starting a company with, of computer timeshare services, and he thought I'd be a great sales guy for it. So he invited me to talk to him. I went to his office, I talked to him, and I accepted the job. But I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't know how to call people on the phone. I didn't know how to talk to them. I didn't know how to find the people to call on the phone. I didn't know anything. And so I started calling around. I started playing with the phone book and just calling and really painfully worked my way into having some kind of language to, to say to somebody when I got them on the phone. There's a weird thing about this, Freddie. When you call somebody on the phone, they absolutely expect you to know what you called for. And so stumbling through that doesn't help. And uh, so no, I, that's 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 a face plant, as we would say. Yeah, right. And that's yeah, what I, totally. Spent a year doing it badly. Got to where I really just couldn't pick up the phone anymore. I hated picking up the phone, and that was my job. And, and this was back in the day when you could actually reach people when you called them on the phone, and it was. It was just painful. I didn't like it. And I started slowing down. I wasn't doing it so much. And, and, and I ended up having a conversation with that guy in his office again. And he fired me from my sales job, my first ever sales job. And because and, I wasn't doing anything. And it took him about a year, year and a half to actually fire me. And that guy was my dad. Oh, and, wow. Right. Yeah. And so when you, when you fail for your dad, it's ugly. It wasn't pretty. I hated that. And I wanted to prove that I can too be good at this. And so I've stayed at it and I've gotten to a point where I'm pretty effective at it today, but all of it is because I failed my dad and, and that's how I got started. Okay. Wow. What a story. What a story. I mean, that's especially, you know, failing in front of your dad is, is a, is a tough one to swallow. Yeah, stays with you for a long time. So that's definitely internal motivation to redeem yourself and, and kick some butt and, and, you know, just look back at that as a teaching moment that transform your life in a positive way. And learn some stuff about what you're doing and structure and whatnot. Yeah. So how'd you, how'd you evolve into doing, you know, sales coaching and sales mentoring with companies today? So. In 1999, I was the general manager and sales manager for a software training company that was here in town. I was a, a, a corporate asset of a global company called Executrain. They were a franchise organization. Mm -hmm. They owned the Phoenix location. So I was responsible for Phoenix and Tucson to help grow the revenue of the company. And that was the time the dot-com bubble was bursting. I had worked for years to get a relationship with the local utility company, SRP. I had had, I had a relationship with them. I worked forever and we finally got that piece of business into Executrain. I got a contract with them and it was great. They had had something like 300 training days a year going on. And when the dot-com bubble burst, they went down to 30 training days and not 300 a year, 300 a month. 
and they went down to 30 training days a month. So, so I lost 90% of that business through nothing we did wrong. And, right. Right. And I remember those days. Yeah. And that was the flavor of the world at the time. And here I am leading a training company as a corporate asset. And I know that the headquarters is in trouble financially. And so the writing was on the wall. I began to look at what I wanted to do. In technical education at that time, we were putting people through Microsoft Certified Systems Engineering Training, Novell Engineering Training. We were graduating people. When I first started doing that five years earlier, we had graduated people who were going from our class from a $60,000 a year job where they were losing their job, reskilling into the certified engineer and moving up to $75,000, $80,000 just because they had the certification and some knowledge. Wow. And I was fascinated by that. And what occurred to me late in that cycle, late in the time I was with Executrain, was that I was pretty skilled. A, I'd learned sales effectively by then. My dad was no longer going to fire me if he'd hired me. And I'd learned sales management. And it occurred to me that there was no effective training ground for salespeople like there had been years earlier. Once upon a time, you'd get a job at, at the copy, one of the copy machine companies, and they would, they would teach you sales. They had a lot of great sales training programs. Right. But, I remember those days. Yep. Right. They became spin selling and some of the other major models. And, and, but nobody had a sales model, including Sandler, to take somebody who's never been in sales before and help them learn sales. And it occurred to me with I, my experience at the time, I can create a sales training academy and take kids who are going to high school and graduating and never going to go to college, teach them how to sell and have them making $100,000 a year, two years after they start, if they do the work. Right. right? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing is, you know, you talk about kids, who's the best salespeople in the world? It's kids. I mean, think, think about it. You know, they, they, they're going to the grocery, you know, to the store yeah. and, and, you know, they see a toy or, or gizmo or something that they want. And so they go up to, to mom and say, Hey mom, can I have this? And mom yeah. says, well, you know, I got to ask your dad. And so the kid goes back and spins it a little bit and says, mom says, I can have this. If you say this is okay. And then he goes, well, I want to make sure the mom says it. And then it turns around and says, well, you know what? I'll clean my room. I'll take out the garbage for a week and blah, blah, blah. And they, and they keep going and no is not an answer for them. They just repackage it and they keep going and they get the sale and they get the toy or the gizmo. Right. Somehow we forget that when we become an adult and we, we accept more no's than we ever have to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We, we just, we, we, as soon as we get a no, Oh, shucks, my head down and off we go. And we don't try again. You know, a lot of, Unfortunately, a lot of rookie salespeople don't try again. They figured, okay, well, I'll just go to the next one. And that no may not have been a firm no. It was just that I, I, I'm not convinced that, you know, I'm, you know, I need your stuff. Right. And they don't know how to deal with the perception of conflict that that no means to them. Correct. I'm, I'm a, I can't go to Frederick and say, hey, come on. We, we said that this was valuable for you. You said you liked it. Now you're a little hesitant. Help me understand what's going on. There's no language structure for them to understand how to re-engage that conversation in a way that's meaningful and valuable to them. Correct. Right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So, so what do you think, what do you think is some of the biggest mistakes that salespeople make? 
what occurs to me is I'm going to answer that question by pointing out what we're doing here. The number one mistake salespeople make is talking too much without regard to what the agenda of the prospect is. That's the number one. Yeah, I would totally agree. Totally agree. They don't ask questions. They start just blah, blah, blah. Here's what we can do. Here's how we can help you. Let me tell you how wonderful we are. We're great. We're wonderful. You need to buy us and all that stuff. And that person's not even listening anymore. They're shut off. Right. Which, you know, is kind of what I'm doing here on this podcast is blah, blah, blah. So hopefully there's some kind of interesting, engaging stuff in it. Well, we're, 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 we're sharing, we're educating and we're sharing information. So it's a little bit, a little bit different, but you know, what's, what's, you know, after the sale, you know, there's a lot of people that still have like a transactional mindset that they make the sale and okay, it's done. And then they move on to the next person and they really ignore and this is what, you know, where, where it leads to is, you know, how to create super fans. They really ignore that existing customer because, well, that was a transaction. They're done. You know, I'm, I'm on to the I next one. Commission. Yeah. I got my commission. I'm done with them. Right. And, and let's talk about how the importance of maintaining and building that relationship with those customers to get them into super fans. So, you know, my word for super you know, brand advocate or an advocate is I call a super fan, but you know, in a sense, the super fan is the, the, the rock star of the advocate. And I think that a lot of salespeople, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and even mid-sized businesses don't get it and don't maintain that engagement with those existing customers. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier, you asked me, how did I get into sales consulting? And I talked about, you know, wanting to create a sales training academy, which I never ran, but I got to work for a lot of companies. I used that experience to gain consulting clients, right? Mm -hmm. And I learned something that's really apropos of this question you've just asked me. And that is a lot of times salespeople don't fail because of the salesperson. They fail because of what executive leadership is asking them to do in the sales organization. And, and I no, don't want to throw executives under a bus, but I will. The fact is that it depends a lot on the sales organization itself. So if they're pushing the salesperson to close that and go away, that's the, that's up to that's on the organization. Any sales, totally agree, totally agree. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any salesperson worth his salt understands that his reputation in the community is more important than his reputation with the company he's with because he's going to be looking for another job every couple of years, according to statistics. And he, his capacity to get a new job, especially in the same industry, is going to be dependent on how well his customers are super fans. Correct. Right? So yep. he's got to operate with a degree of integrity and empowerment that goes way beyond the environment he may or may not be, or she may or may not be working in. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. You know, I can relate to, you know, a, a real short story was, you know, when I was selling manufacturing software back in the mid nineties, early mid nineties, I had a customer that became my super fan. They were a, a tool and die mold shop basically. And the IT manager and I became really good friends. Actually, the owner of the company became good friends. The other owner of the company that was in Sweden and I became good friends and we're still friends today and we're talking decades later, but 
I looked at when I spent time with them, it wasn't, we never got into how the software worked, you know, all the technical aspects. We looked at the, where they wanted to grow as a business yes. and how, how my tool, you know, I would basically find out, tell them, hey, you know, there's three, four other software products that can do the stuff. They'll all do the job. Okay. Otherwise they wouldn't be in business. Right. But let's look at where do you want to be in the next few years and et cetera. And then how this is going to help and get there. And it was funny because when I started working with them, they were a 40-man shop. Four years later, they were a 120-man shop. They bought two businesses, bought Bill Breezeways in there. And every time I needed a referral or used them as a reference, they were more than willing. And they became my super fans, which in turn helped me sell more customers, which made me the number one sales guy in the company. That's awesome. And that's how it works when you're doing your job, right? Right. right. You just hit on something that I think is the critical as the critical answer to the question you asked me earlier. How do you create super fans? And you and I know that the number one thing to do early in the conversation with a prospect is understand their needs at depth. Right. You have to qualify them as are they worth spending time on? And if they have need, then it's worth exploring. And when yep. you explore those needs in an effective way, and really what you have are what you compare yourself to later. So if I go back and say, hey, when we do you needed this, this, and this, and I think we've done that. Have we hit those marks for you? Then you are helping them recognize that you have produced and performed at the level they needed to you when you first started with them, right? Oh, absolutely. 100% of your super fandom is dependent on how well you solve the problems they actually have. That makes sense. It, 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 that's it. And, and also, it's, sometimes it's not problems. It's business aspiration goals. Yes. So, so you know, you've got, you've got the productivity problems that they need, but they need to get that solved so that they can grow their business. Like, like this particular company that I mentioned. You know, they wanted to grow and they yes. did grow. They grew three times their size because I understood that that was the long-term game plan that the yes. owner wanted to accomplish. Yes. And so I helped him position things in the organization that would get them there. Your analysis, your needs analysis was exactly what made that thing work for you and created the lifetime friendship, right? Yep. Yep. And that's because you listened. You heard them when they were talking, right? The only other thing you can do beyond that is to give them 10% more in some form or fashion than what they're asking you for. And then you're a hero. But if, yeah, and, and, but one of the things that I did is, and this is, this is one of the techniques to build super fans is uh, I acknowledged everybody. So when we did the, we held the meeting to demonstrate the software back then. Okay. And it doesn't matter whether it's software or encyclopedias or whatever the, the thing is. Yes. Do everybody got a thank you letter in the mail that said, thank you, Michael, for taking the time out of your busy day to participate in our meeting. Your feedback was greatly appreciated and I'm grateful for the insight that you did. And we look forward to, you know, working with you guys in the future. And everybody, I made sure to get everybody's name and everybody, you know, got a letter sent or got an email sent or a combination of both thanking them for their time, their feedback, and everything else. 
And what would happen is they would have a meeting afterwards to decide which vendor they wanted to go with. And everybody would turn around because I would ask, why did you pick us? And they would come back and says, well, we felt that after the sale, you would provide us with the best follow-up and support. And I and, and and bottom line was because I sent that thank you, appreciate your time, and I made sure that I hit everybody's feedback points in there that I was listening. And what I would do is I'd mark them on their, on their market board in the conference, so I had a chance to okay, Michael, what's what are you looking to get out of today's presentation? Blah blah blah. Steve, what are you looking? Mary, what are you looking? And I write it all down, and then I just spit that all back to them and say, hey, you know, did we address what you you wanted? Oh yes. And it was, it was, once you get the system down, it's actually pretty easy and that's fun. You have fun doing it. I, I didn't know this, but it sounds like you and I have very similar models. Once you know what they want, the presentation becomes very simple later in the conversation because it's just hitting those buttons, right? And, and then yeah. how to differentiate from other people. Yeah, that's, you know, that's ridiculously powerful. And I respect that, Frederick, in a big way. Uh, there's there's a thing about you know why why would I buy a Chevrolet from this dealership versus that dealership, and at the end of the day in a commodity market the person makes the difference the person the humanity is the differentiator. Yep, we always want to feel like we're loved and lovable. And when you sent out e mail to each of those acknowledging each of them personally by name and what they list what they listed. What you were saying was, I hear you, I care about you, and I just want you to know I appreciate you. Come on. There's nothing better than that. No, it's, it's, you know, I just built super fans out of all those, all those people in that room. And they, when it came down to making, you know, picking the vendor, that was it. And, and it, you know, years later, I used the same approach when I was selling construction management software to home builders. It's the same approach. And I would win every sale because, of that approach and the competition had zero chance because we didn't get into pricing. We got into strategies. That's so cool. That makes all the sense in the world. I wanted to ask if you've heard of a book called the ultimate question and it's the root of the net promoter score. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not familiar with that book. Okay. So net promoter score is a way to rank how you're doing with your client. And so you, if you ask fundamentally on a scale of one to 10, where would you rank us as a vendor or provider for your company? And they give you a nine or a 10, you're on target. You're in the top 20%, right? Mm -hmm. Well, six, seven, or eight, you're, you're, they like you and you're okay, but they're not a net promoter of who you are. And then if you're, you're below that, then you got a problem. You got an issue that you need to resolve. Right. That makes sense. Okay. It does. And, and so if your net promoter score, I think that, that that's one of the best ways to get the feedback to know if you're a super, like they're a super fan is to check in with them regularly on your score. What could we have done better for you to, to have gotten a higher score from you? You get the feedback you need to adjust your business to make sure you serve them. Although most people won't say, Frederick, you need to send me thank you notes every time we do business with you. They won't say things like that. They'll right. say things like, well, I, I don't know that you care about us as much, right? Or something. Exactly. And, and, and you know, it, it's true. And, and in the Business Superfan, you know, the book, Creating Business Superfans that I wrote, I have a score, you know, a scorecard. And you can go through that scorecard and, and find 
and score yourself from zero to 10 and in turn put dots into it's like a dartboard and take a look at where you're at with the score and most likely most businesses will have a dilapidated wheel it won't be a nice smooth wheel and then you can start and then there's an action plan with the thing that they get can get off of the businesssuperfans.com website that helps them make changes to improve their score and it could be that they 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 don't do a good job in follow-up and and we could have a whole segment on follow-up because you know, timing is everything. You don't want to wait two hours. You want to get to somebody. They come in, a web inquiry comes into you from your website to you. You've got minutes to respond because otherwise they're shopping someplace else because you, and the first one that gets to them usually gets to business. Yes. And and there's no far, there's no comparison or nothing. You called first, you're on the job, they go with you. I have a line that I teach people, time kills all deals. Right. You don't yeah. respond. I will say that I've always been fascinated by the SDRs, the sales development representatives in the software companies out of the Bay Area who have software that, if, that will allow you to call the person who's on your website right now. So they will track back to your phone number from your, your address that you're calling in from. Mm -hmm. And so while you're on the website, they will call you. In many ways, I think is creepy. <laughs> If they call me right then. So it's effective, but it's a little weird when it happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I've I've responded to leads, you know, that came in and I've either called them within three minutes of the yes. lead coming in. I yes. typically I hit the first thing I do is I hit the if they put in a URL or I look at the email and then yes. I get the URL out of the email. Yes. I go take a quick peek to their website to get a quick synopsis of what their business is. Yes. And I call them and says, oh, I understand you do this and this. And how can we help? You know, you yeah. inquired for this. How can we help? Yeah. That's it. And I just shut up. How can we help? Yeah. I, I use a question like, you know, when you clicked on the link and wanted more information, I want to make sure we cover that. What kinds of things do you want to know from me? Right. But either way, when they're talking, you're getting the information you need to progress effectively. They're not talking. You're you're twiddling your thumb. Yep. yep. So let's let's you know you've got the salesperson, but how important is it? You know, okay, the sales done. How important is the 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 post sales with the rest of the the members of the company? You know, the the employees and stuff building that relationship because as we all know the sale begins after the sale yeah and, and so to create the super fans beyond the salesperson what's what's the the back end got to do you know this this is why i talked a little bit about it depends on the company and depends on the leadership in my mind any leadership that's worth its salt is training all of the team members that everybody's a salesperson and we're all here to make sure the customer is happy and taken care of so no matter what ha happens, you what you have in post-sale, either the sales guy becomes a project manager to, for, to make sure that the, the implementation goes well, or the sales guy is sent to carry on with other people and they're people who are designed to be the, the support and implementation people. Whatever it is, everybody has to be on point to make sure that customer is taken care of, right? Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. And every company has their own process. So once... Once they sign off the document, every company has their own process now on how to initiate and implement that transaction. 
including everything from how does it go through finance and accounting? How does it get to production? If there's production involved, how do we, how do we serve what we sold? And, and then it's a matter of maintaining the relationship as you are one of the brilliant speakers of, if you don't maintain the relationship, you're toast, right? Yeah. Um, okay. And so somebody has to be responsible for keeping them happy. And that's where the salesperson's notes on the needs analysis has to be impeccable in the database. You want to know what the biggest mistake companies make? They piss away the use of the database instead of using it as a primary tool for great relating to that customer, right? Yeah. The original notes on the needs analysis, somebody goes back and makes sure that all of that is being covered. And are we doing a good job? And do you love it? Right. And if they don't, then deal with it right now. Fix it with the same smile you broke it with or sold it with. Right. Sure. Yeah. And, but the other, the uh, absolutely correct. And then, but the other part of the equation that needs to be incorporated is that if that company, that management doesn't take care of their employees and appreciate their employees, then yeah. you're going to have someone that's going to be a little bit disgruntled because they don't feel appreciated. They feel they're shortchanged, ignored blah, 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 whatever it is, they're not going to go all out and go the extra effort for that customer. They're going to basically say, well, I'm just going to do my minimum because yeah. that's it. And, and so even though the sales guy may have done a great job and built a great relationship with the customer and the flow is all set, set up correctly, but the missing link is the employee or employees yeah, feel not basically are, are unappreciated or not even recognized for their extra efforts to solve something, they're not going to put forth that extra effort that needs to be for a particular situation. And the whole thing starts to unravel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've been in the Phoenix area for a long, long time. And for years, I've gotten gas at Circle K or Quick Trip or different places. And it is ridiculously noticeable how the difference between walking into a quick trip is and walking into a Circle K. Don't mind me while I throw corporate America under a bus, but I'm going to. They are trained at a quick trip to say hello to everybody to walk the walks in the door and create a yep. moment of sanity. Now, most of the time they're walking in the door after they've spent money on gas, right? And they're coming in to get a snack or whatever they're doing. You walk into a door at a Circle K and people won't acknowledge you. And, and you're, it's sometimes a struggle to get a cashier to help you on your agenda versus their own, whatever they might be doing. Mm -hmm. And the difference in the feeling of being cared for or not cared for is pretty evident, pretty obvious. The quick trip makes an intentional effort at creating relatedness between the store and its customers and other organizations don't. Well, and that goes, that goes back to management. And so the management is obviously taking care of the employees and making the employees feel valued yes. and appreciated yes. because you can, again, if you don't express that appreciation and gratitude, you can do all the training in the world. The employee is still going to say, eh, okay, hello. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just because they got to, but there's not, hello, hey, welcome in, you know. It's a, it's a different mindset because they're happy doing what they're doing. And yeah. that comes across genuinely. That's the big difference too. Yes. One of the things I've taken to doing is, and, and this came because I was doing a lot of work in organizations 
to help their sales teams and not being able to make an impact, recognizing that executive management is responsible for a big chunk of that after I'm gone. I took on certification with the John Maxwell team, a huge leadership structure organization. And if there's a high turnover rate in companies, I almost always include leadership training as a gift or a bonus for the executives. I don't do it because I like giving it away. I do, but I, but I do it because if they understand they have a role in the sales effort and what that role is, then there's a higher and much greater likelihood of whatever work I do being successful in that thing over time. So, so Michael, how can people get a hold of you? You know, it's really easy to find my website, revenuekinetics.com, and you can get a hold of me through the messaging app there. I would love it if people emailed me or called me. I will answer my, if I'm not busy, I will answer my phone. If you're a spam caller, I'm not as nice, but if you're calling me because I can help you in some form or fashion, then please call me. My telephone number is 602-509-5506. Or my email address that my imp is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, just, you know, like, like, not like Mickey Mouse, I suppose. Am I, never mind. Michael at revenuekinetics.com. Send me an email and I would love to help people. I, I like, I love this stuff. And help. what do you, what do you have, what do you have for our viewers and, and listeners as an offer that would entice them to reach out to you and, and have you take a look at what's happening in their business and, and help them explode their business. Yeah. Well, first off, you should know that I do this because I love it. You got to tell me you don't love helping salespeople. You love the light going on. You love the increase, the impact you make. In company. I love this stuff. So they can call me and ask questions just because they want to. But I, wanna, I, wanna, I want to incent or induce business owners to give me a call. So here's what I'll do. Any business owner that gives me a call, I will spend time with them. I will find them $50,000 worth of profit in their business. This goes beyond my wow. seat. I'll find, you know, I have to say, if they started the business yesterday, it may not be able to happen, right? <laughs> and no, but you can put them in the road to where they can earn 50000 Absolutely will, right? And want to. But right. when I will find any business owner $50,000 in one hour, without them spending any more money on marketing or advertising that's already in the business that they're not capturing. And they, and much of it can be captured inside of 30 days. Wow. That's right? amazing, folks. Yeah. That's amazing. Reach out to Michael and have him take a look at your business and put 50 grand into your pocket that you didn't know you had. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Makes so. it a cheap phone call, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Or an expensive one if you don't make the phone call. There you go. All right. So, all right, Michael. Well, pleasure having you on the show. And I look forward to having you on the show again, continuing our conversations about sales and, and creating super fans and things that business owners can be doing. And, and again, thanks so much for being on the show. Frederick, I, I did, before we get out of here, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I love your book. And as I mentioned, I think I'm on the cover somewhere. I love the work you have done, and it's clear how much you have brought to people to make a difference in their lives with the book. It's powerful, and there's good material in it. So thank you for inviting me to be in your orbit and and be a partner here today. All right, Michael. Thank you very much.
Thanks for tuning in to today's Business Superfans podcast. If you found value in our dive into creating superfans for lasting success, show some love, hit like and subscribe for future episodes, and share with your network to spread the insights. We'd appreciate if you would write us a review as it helps our show. Your support is everything and fuels more content to boost your business. Till next time, keep rocking, superfans, superstars. We hope you took away some useful knowledge from today's episode of the Business Superfans Podcast. The path to success relies on taking action. So go over to businesssuperfans.com and get your hands on the book if you haven't already. Join the Accelerator community and take that first step in generating a team of passionate supporters for your business. Join us on the next episode as we continue guiding you on your journey to achieve flourishing success in business.